Folks, uh, we are back here with uh, this time Senator Chris Birch, my my old buddy. Good to see you, Jeff. Known you for a long time, Senator Birch. Absolutely. Good good buddies with your son Logan. Yep. Good to uh, good to have you here. So we're on the first floor. I've done podcasts on almost every floor. I think every floor now, and I talk about the fourth floor is kind of the action floor. Yeah, we're here in one twenty five, uh, one twenty five in the first floor of the uh, Capitol. A little more reserved here in the uh, this floor. Well, it's a lot of activity on the other side of the building on the uh, ferry discussion. Uh, right now, there's a hot, you know, there's people in line, there's people overflow, um, wanting to testify in person over the phone. You're, you're on the Senate Transportation Committee, right? Uh, no, I'm actually a chair Senate Resources, and I serve on Education, Community and Regional Affairs, and Labor and Commerce. Labor, okay, so not, not on transportation. No. So you were in the House last year, that was one term. Um, and then you decided to run for the Senate. Yeah, the House the House seats are uh, uh, every two years. So you have uh, 40 House members that are, are running every two years. And then the Senate is, uh, there are four-year terms, and half of the Senate, or 10 of the 20 uh, uh, Senate uh, uh, seats, are open every two years. So they cycle about, uh, uh, you know, so at, at any, given t- any given election, you'll have 40 uh, House members up and uh, 10 uh, Senate members, right, are. right. So, and then obviously that changes when you go through reapportionment. Uh, you know, after the uh, twenty twenty census coming up here, but uh, so you, yeah, you have a four year seat. Yes, um, and the re- redistricting doesn't doesn't go into a, the next election is twenty twenty two. So you have yeah, a four year well, seat right yeah, now. Yeah, twenty twenty is the uh, census, uh, and then there'll be reapportionment will come through after that. There'll be a reapportionment board established, and then that that might realign the uh, population so you have an equal number of uh, Alaska residents in each in each house district. So why did you decide to run for the Senate? You were in the House, and then I know yeah, Kevin I, Kevin Meyer. Senator Meyer ran for lieutenant governor, and now he's. Yeah, I, I had served in local government in in Fairbanks. I was uh, on the assembly up there for six years, and and uh, I was on the assembly in Anchorage for nine years. I actually served in the Chugach Electric Board for about nine years as well. So yeah, you have a ton of local experience. Yeah, it's just I, I've always felt felt that it was uh you know it's it's good to give back to your community uh it's if if you want to affect change or or if you if you see where there's a need needed improvement i think it's it's good to engage that way uh, my involvement in the house started uh, you know, in uh, well, two years ago, or two and a half, well, three years ago now, um, and I ran for the House. I served in the House one term, and then uh, Senator Meyer uh, opted to run uh, for the lieutenant governor's uh, seat. He's, I've done a few podcasts with him, and he's, you know, he, he was also on the Assembly and mm-hmm. local. You know, he was in yep. the House. He's never lost an election. Yeah, no, he's he's great. Back back to ninety three. Yeah. So, um, so talk a little bit about your back. You have a pretty interesting background a lot different than maybe every legislator you're, you're a mining engineer right yeah i i uh, our family uh my, my dad came to alaska in world war ii with the marine corps he's actually uh, 17 years old he went he was stationed on adac in 1942 i think it's 42 43 and uh, he was so he's down there during the war and then uh we got or he got back up here with my mom in 1949 1950 and he was a mining engineer. My mom was actually a geologist. She's one of the first women to graduate with a geology degree from the University of Missouri at Rolla, uh, which is now the, or used to be the Rolla School of Mines, now it's the University of Missouri at Rolla. 
but uh, yeah so mom and dad were up here and working uh, they reopened the independence mine up at hatcher pass right after right after the war in oh the, wow no way yeah and so wow. they were up there uh the year i was born and uh and then i had another sister that was born when we were working in butte montana my dad was working in the copper mines there and then uh, my second sister was born in uh, in idaho when dad was working at the uh, sunshine mines silver mines and so we we kind of worked in mines around the uh, uh around the west and then uh, we started uh, back up in the Chandler Mining District in 1959. My dad was doing some underground work there. So you were a kid there in statehood. Yep. Yeah, we were. Uh, yeah, it was uh, 59. Was the first year we got back up here after uh, uh, after 1950, and uh, it was it was a good time. It was a great place to grow up as a kid. We had uh, you know it was like camping out all the time. Um, uh, it was it was a great uh, great way to grow up. My, we actually had uh, Calvert's correspondence course. Uh, we talk about schools. Uh, my mom actually did some of the correspondence work with uh, uh, Calvert's correspondence school out of uh, Baltimore, Maryland. My, myself and my two younger sisters. So you you kind of followed in Dad's footsteps and went into the mining. Yeah, I think it was you know it's one of those things where I'd worked with my dad. I was actually a partner with my dad in the, in our our plaster mining operation. And uh, we we did that from up until '71. He was killed in a plane accident in '71. And oh, I, I, didn't, I, was, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I was I was pretty well on track to. I was about three years into a bachelor's degree in mining engineering. So we wrapped that up, and then. Uh, um, like a small we, plane, or yes, small plane. We sold the uh, we sold the mining property. My mom sold mining property after that. But but yeah, that was in uh, May thirteenth seventy one. That was kind of a, a life changing experience for the family, and uh, it actually you know kind of launched me. I, I think my first job after college was I worked with R and M Engineering in Fairbanks doing work on the Trans Alaska Pipeline. And uh, actually down here in Juneau, I remember we had an office. R and M had an office in Juneau. And we actually did some work on the uh, AJ Rock Dump, which did is. You, were you um, kind of working in the office, or were you out there on the, in the um, field as well? I did the, a little bit of both. I was I was uh, actually an engineer that with uh, uh, kind of a geological bent. So we we did uh, some field work, um, and then I, I went to work for the Department of Highways after that, and uh, that was I worked for them as an engineering geologist. I think that was probably the best job I ever had because we do summer field work uh, driving around with a, a Bombardier track rig with a solid flight auger in the back uh, drilling center line holes for new roads and you know in the interior and then the winter time uh, you'd be writing up your geology reports and your route analysis and uh, and and testing all your minerals or your your gravel samples and so forth so what got you what you were first elected to the Fairbanks uh assembly right yeah i got elected in fairbanks and uh in 84 i was born in 50 so i was i was i was, uh, I was, I was born in 84 yeah well that was <laughs> that was my first year that was my first year in the assembly in fairbanks and uh i i actually got involved because i was concerned about the the direction the borough was taking and up there they've got a uh, the city has has got their own government, and it's within a, a Fairbanks North Star borough, kind of like the Valley or other like Anchorage. Uh, we just have the Assembly. Yeah, and they have the boroughs. Anchorage, Anchorage is unified. They they voted uh, in the '80s to uh, consolidate the borough and the city. Some people think that was a mistake. It was it was probably an okay thing to do. Uh, but in Fairbanks, you still have uh, North Pole's an independent city. Uh, Fairbanks has is, is, is got their own city limits. There's about 30,000, 35,000 people in, in Fairbanks proper. And then I think the borough is probably 
when we were there, and the uh, we we moved to Anchorage in '91 with uh, Alaska Pipeline. But uh, I think there used to be around 90,000 people in the Fairbanks North Shore Borough, and it's probably over 100 now. And and it's it's a it's a just a very vibrant, healthy, positive community. There's you know so much uh, going on there with uh, the additional military investment, and uh, it's just a spectacular place to to operate airplanes. I mean, it's just wide open spaces, mm-hmm. a lot of military interest. So you work you work for uh, DOT, didn't you? Yep, I worked for highways, and then they transitioned to DOT, and then uh, we were doing a lot of. I did a lot of work in rural Alaska, so we're you know in and out of villages around the state. Uh, uh, I was a project man- manager on the farthest north chum salmon hatchery in the world, which is on the Noatak River north of uh, Kotzebue. Uh, did a lot of work for uh, correctional facilities. I actually managed the construction of the uh, Anvil Mountain Correctional Center in, in Nome, which is a tip-up concrete panel, uh, or actually that was a, uh, yeah, tip-up concrete and then uh, interior partitions. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it was a it was a great way for, as a young engineer, it was a, it was a great opportunity to be involved in managing uh, construction in diverse locations kind of all around the state. So uh, Lo- Logan uh, told me recently a story you guys moved to Anchorage when he was pretty young? Yeah, we yeah. moved to Anchorage, and uh, I, I accepted a position with uh, Alaska Pipeline in 91, uh, and I think the, the kids were in grade school. He said he got kind of mad because at the school he was at, if you, if you were to go K through 5 or something, you get your name on the wall. But he had like left one year. You guys had moved one year before. Well, Pearl Creek Elementary in Fairbanks. I, I, you know, that's a story I'd never heard. We might have to go chisel the name. We, we were out, out and he ran in the center of Kawasaki and mm-hmm. he mentioned you, he grew up in Fairbanks. Mm-hmm. And then he, he said something about he didn't get his name on the wall because wow. he, he didn't go. So you, you got to talk to him about that. We got we go back and fix that. We got to go back and write his name on yeah, the wall. Yeah, we, we can do that. <laughs> so, I mean, right now there's a lot going on. I mean, the, the budget's kind of the big one and the, and the PFD and, and the, um, you're, you're kind of more focus on i think resources but you are you know you're i'm sure you're following the budget and mm-hmm. the pfd i mean what, you know what do you think's gonna seems like that's gonna be the big top you know, that that is the big topic right now going going around the capital you know i i i said this before but you know we we have you know we have a leadership crisis perhaps more so than a than a fiscal crisis and when i you, you look at the metrics and we have 65 billion dollars in the bank um you know and this that's all all told if you look at the uh the corpus of the permanent fund is about 40 billion that's that's pretty well fenced off but then you have earnings reserve constitutional budget reserve and and uh you know the statutory budget i mean you've got the accounts all add up to about 65 billion dollars so that's that's kind of our our shared checking account yours and mine or maybe i should say savings account so that that that's kind of sitting you know sitting in the bank uh we have uh trillions in oil gas and mineral assets i mean when you look uh, even here in Juneau, i mean there's over a thousand people working at greens creek and kensington i think i don't know know if this is still the case but i know for this a couple years ago the largest employers in southeast by payroll were the Kensington and Greens Creek, the, the mines by, by payroll. Yeah, yeah, it's a very very significant uh, uh, popul- you know, uh, employee base and uh, very. Cons- you know, I think it's the largest uh, taxpayer in the in the uh, in the uh, borough here too. But then uh, I I worked at Nana for a number of years, and and obviously the Red Dog mine has just been hugely impactful uh, in that area. Uh, we just had, uh, uh, just passed an ANWR resolution, uh, to, uh, to encouraging, encouraging the BLM and the Department of Interior to move forward with a lease sale in ANWR. That was, and you introduced that in the Senate, right? We introduced there, it in the Senate. There was a video they took where I didn't realize I was sitting in the gallery and I didn't realize that I was, 
they were taking it was not, not the gavel video it was I think the Senate Majority Press so yeah. it looked like the way it sat was I was kind of over your shoulder mm-hmm. like you know and then giving Lo- me good counsel no yeah right help. and then Lo- yeah. Logan put the little video or the cartoon image Dave, of like devil the, or the devil or angel yeah. you know so oh, yeah. people have been bring, I, I shared that and i said yeah. my facebook i said oh my god there there i am i'd say you're kind of more in the angelic side but i appreciate uh, that that's, yeah, yeah. that's great but uh so but anwar i mean the, the you know we've had some folks have talked about uh i think somebody used a facebook post they, they referred to what was going on with uh, anwar's cultural genocide which i thought was uh rather harsh and really there's, wow there's a journal of the um, of the american medical association actually uh did a study nationwide where they measured life expectancy and improvements in life expectancy and uh the life expectancy in northwest alaska and in, in the north slope and and the area that uh, uh encompasses the you know the brooks range has improved between 7 and 13 years per person 7 to 13 years life expectancy extension between 20, 1980 and 2014. So kind of the op- opposite of a genocide. Opposite. And that's that's concurrent with uh, concurrent with development well, on the North Slope. I mean, the money and the economy, and, and frankly, you know, life looks pretty grim if you haven't got a job and you haven't got a way to, to feed and clothe and house yourself. And I think that's that's the one thing we need to remember is that as a as you know, from a, a government standpoint or a community standpoint, we need to make sure that we're doing the right thing to, you know, keep people gainfully employed, provide an economy that provides for that those those opportunities, and and make sure that we're, you know, not not tying people's shoelaces together with uh, you know regulatory uh, constraints mm-hmm. and so forth. Yeah, I mean, it passed the Senate overwhelmingly, eighteen to I think eighteen to two, and then it passed the House thirty yesterday, thirty six to three. Mm-hmm. So I mean, uh, and the, so the difference is this time they've passed for I think twenty some for twenty years they passed annual resolutions, but the difference is this time the federal government and the, the Congress passed. Uh, the ability to actually go into Anwar and the tax bill. So now this year, first resolution since the opening of Anwar to actually go and uh, explore for oil. Yeah, and we wanted to get that message in before uh, 10 o'clock uh, Wednesday evening, March uh, 13th. Uh, that's the deadline for, for uh, soliciting comments on uh, the Anwar draft environmental impact statement. So this is the first step, but it's, uh, it's you know, basically it's good for Alaska. It's good for the, the communities who had great uh, testimony and support of a Kaktovik, which is right dead center in, in the 1002 area in Anwar. Uh, they have been working diligently and, and, and earnestly to, because they, you know, there's a recognition that, um, you know, when you have a job, when you have the economic potential that that provides, it's a it's a good thing for your neighbors and your friends and your family. So, as as um, one of Governor Dunleavy's proposals is kind of the trying to shift the t- property tax uh, revenues in the North Slope to the to the state, is, is yeah, that the, have an, an impact on? That's that's not going to happen. And I think you know, I served in the on the Fairbanks North Star Borough Assembly for six years, and 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 frankly, the. Uh, uh, you know the 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 pump stations and the pipeline that that run through the North Star Borough. Those are uh, those are part of the tax base. I mean, those are part mm-hmm. of the people that work there are sending their kids to schools in Fairbanks, and 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 the same thing for the North Slope Borough, and the same thing for Valdez, uh, even more so. And uh, the way the the mechanics of it are that the state of Alaska levies a twenty mil tax on on the uh, uh, pipeline and all the you know the, the pump stations and all the production facilities that are in the north slope and obviously there's a lot of them in the north slope but that 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 tax base that assessed valuation is is you know over 400 million dollars and the way it's worked from inception is that 
the state distributes to each of those respective communities whatever their local tax is. So if if uh, the Fairbanks North Star Borough had a 12 mil tax, the the Fairbanks North Star Borough would recover 12 of that 20 mils from the state and then go about their business. So uh, and that's the way it's worked. Well, it seems. Seems fair in all these. I mean, yeah. it's going through yeah. these local places or the property tax in case you know, right. situations that and, are slope. And the the thing that's disappointing about the uh, uh, you know just just basically the state you know usurping that taxing authority and that assessed valuation is that it, it doesn't really save the state a dime. It, all it's doing is is shifting the the, uh, the the assessed valuation for that re, you know for that those improvements out of the communities that they they're directly impacting, and uh, you know the north slope the north slope uh you know is home for the all the production facilities the oil pipeline everything else you know clearly that's that's having an impact up there and and clearly uh they've been able to you know make good use of those resources and provide for their you know their their uh, citizens and their their constituents well the, these localities if this were i think most people agree it's not going to happen but if it were to happen They'd have to make up the tax somehow. They'd have to assess new taxes on the local, you know, the people living in those right. areas. And it's just like anybody else. When you've got, you know, you make, uh, you make some, uh, you step in. You have different obligations, and when your in- revenue stream, you know, evaporates or changes substantially, uh, you know, all of a sudden you can't meet your obligations. I mean, we we've heard a little of that on the the decision by the state not to. Uh, to honor some of the uh, bond debt reimbursement. Yeah, I think uh, in Anchorage they were talking about that would affect the property taxes by quite absolutely. a bit. Absolutely, and uh, in in you know in rural Alaska it's not an issue. The state is one hundred percent responsible for uh, providing education under under the uh, Molly Hooch Agreement that uh, defines the state obligation in rural areas. And but in the you know in the in you know in the more urban areas. Uh, there had been a uh, an understanding and a, a share, if you will, sharing, if you will, between the state and and you know maybe that's cause for some over construction. I mean, arguably, uh, you know, we are going to be in a position in Anchorage maybe to close some schools, but that really takes. It's hard to do that over overnight. Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, the, it's almost so dramatic. I think the Senate even came out re- recently in finance co-chairs and said, look, this is going to be a, a kind of a step, yeah. you know, cra- gradual. Um, Reduction, yeah, in spending. I, yeah, one of, when I moved to Anchorage in '91, there was approximately 2,200 Alaska direct employees, and uh, Admiral Barrett came through here last year, and then uh, uh, had their chief financial officer was down here about a week or maybe a couple weeks ago. And they're under 800 employees at Alaska Pipeline and still performing their mission extraordinarily well, uh, you know, and and doing a great job moving oil from the North Slope to to uh, Valdez. And but Alaska over the ensuing uh, 28 years has downsized from 2,200 employees to fewer than 800. That's uh, 1,400 employees uh, out of. 2200 that have basically you know reduced the organization but that didn't happen overnight and i don't i was in anchorage that entire period and i don't remember any significant headlines saying you know alieska uh you know lays off 500 or a thousand people well i think it's just manage structured contraction and that's what the state needs to do and i think you know we have a we have a budget dilemma we need to we need to reduce our spending and, re, and the and the governor's on uh, on track <clears throat> on track for doing that and i think we need to, to work and uh, you know, work together between the legislative side and the administrative side to, to well, make I think that if, if you look at, you know, the MLMP and the Chugach, you were on the Chugach board, the merger 
Um, the, the plan is uh, through attrition and, and different, you know, over time, once they combine, they're going to you know, need less positions, but mm-hmm. they aren't going to, they said they aren't going to fire a bunch of people on day one. They're going to through, because I think it's like a 12 or 15% attrition rate normally. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in three or four or five years, mm-hmm. there's going to be less folks working, yeah. but like they're doing it as a gradual approach, not just a overnight. And, I think, and that's what, I think that's what we have to do where we've ramped up spending and, and without question that is, that has happened and it needs to be ramped down. Uh, but I think it has to be incremental. Do, I think, do, yeah. Do you feel like uh, you just got here in 2016? You were elected 2016, so it might be kind of a it's a kind of a softball for you. But for other people, do you feel like a lot of the people in the building have voted for a lot of that spending for both 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 sides? You you haven't. I mean, you, do you feel like kind of a little bit maybe no, more, think, more able to criticize some no, of it? We're, we're all in this boat together, you know. And and I I say this. Uh, frequently there's there's 62 elected people in this in this capitol building that we're sitting in uh you know 40 in the house 20 in the senate a governor and a lieutenant governor and they're not not a single one of them that i know of and i know i think i can say safely i know just about every one of them uh pretty well you know just uh, uh more than casually and there's not anybody that gets up in the morning thinking uh it's not thinking about you know what can i do good for alaska i mean i you know Everybody has Alaska's best interests at heart, their constituents, their family, and, and, and so forth. So I think, you know, it's just a matter of how you get there. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, finding, that, finding that common ground and figuring out where, you know, you know where's, where's, the best, uh, where's the best solution. But, you know, we've got money in the bank, uh, gold in the ground, and an underemployed, capable population. That's, I guess for that's me, a good thing. Sometimes it's just, from my perspective where I sit, it gets frustrating when somebody wants to blame somebody for something that you know is happening but they might have been part of it as well but they they selectively kind of choose no, who, they, who they that's human nature i mean you always try to deflect and defer i think you know people are you know frequently you know a lot of people don't want to accept responsibility for their and that's fine i think you just you pick up and move forward mm-hmm. and, you know kind of accept the conditions that are there um i mean even today you know we've got Two, you know, about two and a half billion in in uh, revenue that comes in pretty, you know, you know, pretty regularly on an annual basis. We passed the percent of market value uh, budget last year, which uh, you know, basic or percent of market value SB twenty six on the permanent fund, which which adds three billion dollars a year to the budget, roughly five percent of sixty billion, right? So that's about five and a half billion dollars a year we have in revenue. Uh, the budget is around four and a half billion, so you have a billion dollars left over, and that you know you can cover maybe three or four hundred million or five hundred million worth of capital projects, maybe a little inflation proofing, and maybe some debt retirement. But you, but you know? got that dividend. You got that dividend. And the dividend should be the last dollar out the door. I mean, and I think you can do all that. And uh, ledge ledge uh, finance folks we talked to said if you did that today, uh, you basically have about a five hundred dollar dividend, and everybody goes home. So I, the, I, the issue is all. I, I think that is a. I mean, if you ask anybody who's maybe not doesn't have some skin you know some some political reason if you ask anybody that seems to be the most logical you know approach you have, you have mm-hmm. no taxes no income tax no sales tax you have a, a robust budget you have capital because right now the capital mm-hmm. budget's so low mm-hmm. um and you have some you know reimbursement on the, on the um yeah. the 
what is the, the pers and ters, the pension liabilities? Yeah, so I, I, I would agree with you. I think that that, uh, to me, that makes the most sense. And I, you know, a lot of folks talk about the, uh, uh, I, I was at a AEDC luncheon one time where they talked about the Trump tax cut and how that was going to add, you know, $30 million or some, some amount over per year because of the reduced impact on, on Alaska businesses and Alaskans over some amount of time. And I was thinking, wow, I never heard the uh, argument I've never heard the argument uh, on the other side of that, that if you send for every billion dollars that you send out in, in, in uh, dividends, fully 25% of that is a direct transfer to the federal government. Yeah, no, people pay, people, especially if you're paying the, some folks pay 40, you know, the marginal yeah. rate, so yeah. other folks pay less. But, but, if, but the average, uh, the folks that we've talked to at, uh, you know, at the permanent fund and, uh, you know, that, that have been involved with that, say it's about 25%. So, so you, um, you were in the House in the minority, you were on the Resources Committee mm-hmm. as a member. Mm-hmm. Now you're in the majority and you're the chair, co-chair, co-chair, chair, co-chair chairman, yeah. chairman of, re, there's one, one chair for, yeah. So you're the chair of the resources committee. Um, how are those? I mean, they're obviously very different. Now you're kind of in charge of the committee. Before you were a member of a larger mm-hmm. house committee. What's it like being the the chairman? Well, I think it's a you know it's a it's a good organization. We have got a lot of very experienced and uh, capable uh, members on the on Senate resources. Uh, uh, Kathy Giesel, Senator Giesel, has been you know longtime chairman. Uh, Senator Coghill is our co-chair, very very seasoned. You know, so we've we've got some very very competent uh, Senator Bishop out of Fairbanks. Uh, he's a, a full yeah. labor or team yeah. labor. Uh, he's a minor, yeah, but uh, good you know good good folks. So with the, being the chairman, you you kind of more or less you decide who's going to testify, what topics are going to happen. Is that kind of how it we goes? We work or? with the bills that are presented, and then uh, we've had a number of, of hearings as well on different uh, different entities that are are interested in, in working with us. So. All right. So real quick, we got a, we just got the five minute warning from yep. your your staff. You have a you have a cool story or something some Alaska story. I know no, you got just, a lot of stories. Oh, it's all, it's all good. You know, I uh, uh, it's it's an honor and a privilege to be here representing the good people in South Anchorage and District M. And, uh, you know, I, uh, like I say, we're, we're looking forward to it. I'm an optimist by nature. I don't think you, you, you know, you, it, it, I, I, I'm excited about what every day brings. And, uh, uh, like I say, I think there's, there's a lot of good, uh, to come out of this session and a lot of good, uh, to come out of the state. We, uh, we profile, we did the profile video profile for the district 26 Republican primary. Mm-hmm. And we had mm-hmm. you in there as kind of the, the mm-hmm. current rep at the time running for the Senate. And we did the, one of your fundraisers and you gave that. Mm-hmm. Uh, opening remark where I think you said if you want to build a tunnel or if you want to blow something up, you know, I'm your guy, right? Yeah, I, I, I was a licensed powder handler when I was doing geology work and uh, we were actually doing uh, producing uh, riprap and, and, and drilling and doing some blasting. Big, big explosions. Big explosions, yeah. So, I mean, how, how far, I mean, you were, how far away were you? And Not far pressed. enough in some cases, but uh, I do have, uh, yeah, I've still got my hand detonator, so. Yeah, I had a friend in Australia, his uh, d- d- dad, it's called shot, shot firing, I guess, mm-hmm. and yep. you know, they were doing, they were laying the stuff down one time, and uh, it, it, something happened, and there was a reaction, and the, it blew. Mm-hmm. And yeah. was, I used to work underground with my dad, or go underground with, as we're lighting the old safety fuse, the stuff that, you know, you light it, and it, it's, it's, you know, it smokes, and it's, it, it, uh, the length of the fuse, just, you know, it tells you when the blast is going to go off, and you always have the lifters in the bottom of the, of the, uh, of the tunnel so it can move the muck out away from the face. But uh, always remember sitting there and counting all the explosions to see if everything went off. So, well, Senator Birch, I want to thank you for doing the podcast. Your thank office you, is Jeff. perfect for a po- Some offices are a little more difficult with the layout. You have this nice table here. It's uh, 
perfect. Very convenient. So we'll uh, talk to you next time. And thanks for having me Thank here in you. your office. Anytime. And thanks, folks. Jeff. If you want to do a podcast in the future, or you have any ideas for podcasts, make sure to let me know. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Landline.